Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're constantly told about the value of higher education and how much more you'll make if you get a degree or a graduate degree. Uh, but is that PhD in underwater basket weaving actually worth the cost? Some new research says maybe, maybe not. Preston Cooper's a research fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity and joins us now. Uh, Preston, is graduate school worth it? Well, thank you, Boyd, for having me on. And uh, the answer to your question, is graduate school worth it, is a resounding sometimes. <laughs> so as you mentioned, we have a new report out looking at what we call the return on investments of graduate school. And that's basically asking the question, how much more can you expect to earn for having gotten the graduate degree? And how much did you pay in tuition on, on that graduate degree? And if that increase in earnings exceeds the amount that you paid in tuition and the, uh, the lost earnings from spending time out of the labor force, we say that your graduate degree paid off. And unfortunately, there are a number of degrees, including PhDs in underwater basket weaving, that simply do not pay off. They simply do not have positive return on investments. Uh, I calculate that 40% of master's degrees, including a majority of uh, MBAs, master's in business administration, uh, do not pay off, have negative return on investments. I also calculate that over 60% of PhD programs that are not in STEM fields, that's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, uh, do not pay off either. So uh, students are generally worse off financially for having gone through those PhD programs, um, for having those gone, gone through those PhD programs than they would have been otherwise. The only graduate degrees that seem to pay off consistently are, unsurprisingly, uh, those professional degrees in law and medicine and dentistry. Oh, that's fascinating stuff. Uh, and it seems that like we're, we are in a, a time where th- there seems to be more people pursuing, more students pursuing those kind of graduate uh, degrees. And I don't know if that's uh, part uh, putting off going into the real world and, and just kind of <laughs> hanging out on campus for a little extra while. Uh, but, but why is it that we're seeing this increase uh, in those pursuing graduate degrees when the dollars and cents of it says, you know, that may not be the best investment? That's a great point. So, yes, we've seen in the last two years, especially during the pandemic, a large increase in the, sh- in the number of students that are pursuing graduate school. We've seen the number of uh, master's degrees in America conferred double over the last 15 years or so. A lot more people are going to graduate school. And I think, you know, as you said, the numbers show that's not always a wise financial decision. I think what happens is that people see that, the, uh, that people with master's degrees tend to earn more than people who just have a bachelor's degree. And they say, oh, that must make it, you know, financially worthwhile. But it's, it's not always the case that it's going to be financially worthwhile because you also have to consider 
you know, the counterfactual. What you what would you personally have earned if you had not gone to graduate school? And also you have to consider the cost of tuition. You know, may, many graduate schools are charging twenty, thirty thousand uh, dollars uh per year to to get a master's degree. And the final thing you have to consider is when you get a master's degree, at least when you go full time, you have to spend time out of the labor force. You have to spend a year or more working, uh, uh, working on that degree rather than working in the labor force and getting earnings. And all of those costs really add up. And we find that, you know, while some master's degrees are still going to make sense, even after uh, counting up all those costs, uh, a huge number are, are not going to make sense for the student. Yeah, and I think that's so important. And, and obviously, we're not here to uh, to bash the degrees or the process. And uh, to me, the most important thing you learn in the, in any of that process of higher education is learning how to learn, the discipline of learning. But I think the more important part is the love of learning. With the pace of change we have in society, uh, the forever learners, I think, uh, are going to be the ones who are compensated the best uh, over time. But it, it leads me to this question, uh, that, Preston, that I, I wonder if you have some angles and insight on uh, and that is, how do we make sure that before students are signing up uh, and getting loans and going down this path, how do we make sure there's a process for them to make sure they realize what they're going to have to pay and what, how that all adds up versus how they're going to what they're actually going to earn? How do we better level set that so that uh, students aren't just defaulting into spending more on education, but making sure they're going to get something in return? That's a great question. So I think a lot of this responsibility uh, rests with policymakers. So the federal government will extend unlimited loans, uh, basically unlimited loans for uh, students to go pursue master's degrees or advanced degrees. You can take out much more in student debt to get a graduate degree than you can to get a master's degree. And when you read newspaper stories about people with $100,000 in student debt, those are almost always graduate school, uh, graduate students who are, who are taking on that much debt. And the real, real problem with all this is that the federal government does very, very little due diligence to ensure that the debt that, that uh, students are taking on is actually financing a worthwhile investment. Uh, we do a little bit of that due diligence at the undergraduate level, but absolutely none of that at the graduate level. And I think it reflects this assumption among students as well as policymakers that more education is always going to be financially worth it, and so you should always get another degree. Well, you know, that, that, uh, that doesn't seem to always be the case. And I think that there is a role for policymakers to look at some of these programs that we as taxpayers are paying for uh, through, through the student loan program and say, you know, if you're not producing the earnings outcomes that we would expect for a program that's funded by taxpayers, uh, you should not get access to taxpayer money anymore. And I think through a system of, uh, of accountability like that, uh, we can help students make better choices regarding their educational futures. Uh, I think that's so important. I know uh, Mia Love, uh, who is a representative here in the state of Utah, actually had a bill, No Before You Go, uh, that was really yeah. designed to do that in terms of making sure that uh, students and their parents recognized what the outcome, what the back end of this looks like in terms of being able to pay back those loans uh, and then be able to, to really move forward in a career. Uh, and obviously there are some of these careers that they may not look good on paper in terms of return on investment, but that doesn't mean they're not necessarily worth pursuing either. Uh, any other insider things that uh, we should especially have students thinking about uh, as it relates to these higher degrees? Sure. Well, I think you bring up a great point there that, yes, financial returns are not the only consideration when you're talking about uh, getting a higher degree. You know, it also matters. What also matters is the joy factor. 
You know, if a graduate degree can unlock a career that you think you'd be much happier in, you know, that's absolutely something to consider. But I think that you cannot ignore the financial aspect of all this. Uh, and it's, it's important for students to understand when they decide, I'm going to go to get a PhD because I really want to be a college professor and I, I, I really want to be in academia. That's fine. You know, it's a free country. You, you should be allowed to make that decision. But I think you should understand what the financial consequences of that decision uh, are. And I believe that you should have be armed with the information to recognize that, yes, you may, you're probably going to be giving up some earnings in order to do that. It could be quite a significant amount of money that you're giving up. And that's OK. It's your choice but you should understand what the consequences are and we should make sure that students are aware of that. Yeah. I think that is so vital. Just the uh, knowledge is power. We always talk about that in the context of higher education Uh, (laughs) and we should make sure that that knowledge and power is passed along before someone commits to the, uh, to that process to make sure they know they're clear eyed and know what they're getting into and what the uh, back end results may prove out to be. Preston Cooper, uh, research fellow at the foundation for research and equal opportunity. Great insight, great report in and look at that thanks for joining us today thank you we're gonna go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break during a state of the union address president biden urged companies to bring their business on shore but are there rules and regulations that are holding companies back we'll talk with mark hyden from r street institute about that coming up next stay with us i'm dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.